and okay. Okay, can you hear me all right? I think so. We'll find out. We will find out. Welcome. This is Hello Dear, a conversation podcast about a friendship. To do this, I thought you wanted to go through the Eight Dates book together. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think we should. I, I think we can do more than that, though, and contextualize the Eight Dates first. Yeah, well, and that's <laughs> that's why I was I was like, okay, we can we can go through that. But the idea, hi everybody, my name is Gabe Wallenberg. In case you don't know me. <laughs> If you don't know me, why are you listening to this? Maybe it will be insightful. I have I have no idea. Jennifer, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Wade Wollenberg, and Gabe and I have been in a relationship since, here's the debate, 1996? Uh, 97, 98, yeah, something like that. No, because I graduated in 95, so probably oh. 93. Maybe 94. That's interesting. We got married in 99 and we'd been together five years at that point. So 94. 95, 94 is about right. Yeah. Yeah. I think of everything, especially now that I am a professional educator, I think of everything in the sense of school year. So when I say 95, 94, that's because I'm thinking in terms of the 94, 95 school season, you know. Yes, and I think in terms of fiscal years, which also runs August to July. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> then, mm-hmm. So <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of years ago, I was introduced, we were introduced to this system of managing a relationship through what's known as the Gottman Institute. And I have to be honest with you, the whole time I was being introduced to it, I was like, I, it sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme to me, especially, you know, when you watch some of the guys' town halls and some of, some of the way that people just go on and on about Gottman's work. But then I kind of dug into the research part of it and what I thought was, was was really validating about the Gottman approach to relationship managing is that it, it is based on a, a research-based approach, right? Like it's not like a you have to have your chakras aligned in such a way that when the stars come down, you are able to address the issues that the tower has revealed, right? There's none of that in the Gottman Institute. Instead, what it really is, is about making sure, the short version, making sure that more of your time is spent in positive relation, like positive experiences with your, with your significant other than crisis managing and or hurt, but hurt times. Like, I don't think he would say it that way, but. <laughs> Can I help? Like, that's that's how well I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around it without just reading you from the Wikipedia page. But like a lot of therapists use this, a lot of f- folks 
talk about it as a couple's therapy and a therapeutic framework for that. But but what it comes down to is the sound relationship house built on a foundation of trust and commitment, shared meaning created over that foundation, lick management, positive perspectives, lean into instead of away from that which is hanging and share fondness and admiration for one another. And it's that last part. Well, then there's also build love maps, but I, I, I don't, I'm not where I'm not. Well, well, we'll figure out where we'll I am there. on that. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's my take on it. And then, then uh, our the lovely lady who we we I think simultaneously inspired, terrified, and upset and adored would tell us, you know, what you guys need to do is subscribe to their email list. And so I am subscribed to their email list, and that is about the extent of the involvement I've given it since we last did any meaningful work on that process. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that one of the the hopes with sharing this information to any intrepid listener who is curious about that would be to learn with us as we go. We went through the Gottman method for one, not because we were contemplating splitting up or because we had reached a breaking point, but because when you're with someone for a long time and you sense that distance or discomfort, I like the Gottman three ways of kind of being in relationship encapsulated in you can either turn against, turn away, or turn toward. And one of the things you and I have always done, I, maybe because we were friends before anything, is when we feel that separation and frustration, we turn towards. And sometimes we turn towards with smiles and sometimes we turn towards with lots of swears. <laughs> it, Full yeah. disclosure, lots of swears. Yeah, and, and actually the idea of leaning into a thing that bothers you is something that I've really grabbed onto like post 2010 or so, or as I will say in an encoded way that I'm not prepared to explain right now, post-fire circle. Y you know, you really have to, that's really when I learned to like, if that thing is bothering you, it's bothering you for a reason. And the only way out is through. And that that's kind of where I was coming from as to, or I guess that's where I like, what I like as much about uh, the system is that that if if you lean into it in a way that's productive, it doesn't have to be drama. Well, but there's nothing wrong with drama. I mean, not I'm seriously, I'm not trying to be contrarian, but sometimes sometimes drama creates that release. If right. you do like what like what you were saying, you see it through. If you can if you can use the drama for purpose rather than just i don't know self-serving i i guess that would be sort of releasing or venting on someone which isn't very productive i mean it could be a good thing but that could also be a difference between you and i because as we've stated from the beginning like 
I'm more of the pragmatist and you're more of the romantic. So <laughs> maybe that's just my, my hot take on it. I, I just, I don't know. I think it can be pers- purposeful. I also think that the idea of turning towards each other can feel so antithetical in the moment of conflict that it isn't an innate skill, that no. it is a learned skill. And yeah, yeah. What are you grinning over there? <laughs> well, I just, you know, you want to talk about the difference between how you and I respond to that moment, right? Like when you talk about you being the pragmatist and me being the emotional one here, when when it made me think of this I idea of, hold on, I lost my panel here. There we go. It made me think about how when you turn into it in a, in a moment, a heated moment, right? My turn it into it is to grab you and hug you and squeeze the moment away. And like, that is exactly the opposite of your impulse Yes, in your flight or flight moment is like my fight or flight moment is like, no, just I got you. And yours is like, don't you get me? Uh, which I mean, really gets us all the way back to our, when we met, you know, not even when we met, well, yeah, when we met, but also, you know, when I first knew that we were going to date, which is a story we can tell some other time. No, I think our origin story is pretty foundational to the work we did in the Gottman method. And I'm really glad that you paired it with the idea of when we are in discord your intent is to like hug it out, bro. And my intent is to, oh, we're going to, we're going to take this apart, brother. We're going to go through this line by line with a highlighter and we're going to see what's what. (laughs) (laughs) I dissect and you smother with love. Fair? Very fair. I mean, that's, yeah, very fair. Very fair. You know, I don't have a fight or flight. I have a freeze and cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Falls on the floor crying. My so. husband, the six foot three fawn. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. But, but I think, but hey, again, going back to one of the core sort of ideas in the Gutman Method is that shared humor is one of the more important things for a couple to turn to, especially when they're dealing with crisis. And I was just reading, you know, I love to read nonfiction because there's something wrong with me. But but one of the things I was reading about, because the, the Gottmans didn't just look at same sex, or what do they call it? Hetero couples. They looked at yeah. same sex couples as well. And one of the things that was true across the board. Well, there are many things that were true across the board, regardless of the genders of the folks in the relationship was that shared humor was just one of those core pieces that if a couple had shared humor, it really helped whether some of the rough points that happen when you have folks, you know, sharing a lot of life experiences, both good, bad, and boring for a long period of time. And and I think that's really true because you and I have always relied heavily on humor, sometimes maybe too heavily, but it, it has been a foundation of our marriage. I mean, I look at our 
our family motto. Go ahead. Our family motto is always learning and always loving. Yes, I think we explained the why behind that earlier. <laughs> but it's true. And I, I think I think we could add always laughing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also eight times down, nine times up. Fair enough. <laughs> and also don't sweat the butt stuff. Yeah. If you have colon cancer in your family. Colon just go get it go get it scoped. It's yeah. not a deal. It's a bit not a big deal. Don't sweat the butt stuff. Just it's get your just colonoscopy. Be a man, drink the stuff. Yep. You'll be fine. And feel free to complain the entire time you're drinking. The you earned it. You earned it. <laughs> I don't that, know. Can that be our merch? Don't yeah, sweat definitely. The butt stuff? Get a yeah, and it should be on. Don't sweat the butt stuff, and then it'll have. We'll sell a sixty-four ounce go lightly uh, glass, sixty-four ounce glass pilsner. There you that, go. <laughs> that you can you can drink your go lightly out of. Yeah, you should drop a link to that video. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, always laughing, even even when dealing with really scary stuff too. Not because we're laughing it off, but because. I mean, especially in your when you're in something long term, you have to you have to roll with it. Well, um, and and right is and then that's that's part of I think both of us process with just the ability we both and you let me let me put it this way you have I have noticed a really really good sense of when it's time to step back and go okay this is ridiculous and point out to just ridiculousness of whatever's happening and it was. As evidenced a couple of months ago when, I don't know, I was being all ragey about something and you and Gaia was raging at you and I was raging at you and you just reached over and you pushed the screaming goat button. <laughs> and it just, Gaia and I both were like, oh, yeah, okay. I should, for those of you who aren't familiar, Gaia is our teenage daughter. She will not be on this podcast because I think she would rather die than than be on it. But I do, uh, it is regrettable that she is never not going to be mentioned because she has been part of our shared experience for the last 18 plus years. So she will come up from time to time, but trying to respect her stories is is an ongoing challenge that I have because her stories are hers, but the goat story is one we all share. So. I, I think she'd be okay with sharing the goat story. Honestly, if if you want to begin an entry point into dealing with conflict in your relationship, just get one of those screaming goat toys. <laughs> <laughs> and when somebody's just going off the edge, that's your code for, hey, hey, bud, go take a breath. <laughs> You screaming goated me too. Yes, we. Yeah. <laughs> the There's a reason the screaming goat sits on our dinner table. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's. I mean, it's silly, but it's it's hard. And I don't think people appreciate like how hard it is to to be a committed couple, raising a family, working. You know, for organizations who have no respect for your your family time that's supposed to be the other spouse's deal you're the family you're the the breadwinner so you have to be you know dealing with work stuff whereas you know like that that's such a, a such a a, a catch 22 trap right because for both the breath went breadwinner who's who's the one tending the farm now here in in casa de woolen hat it's it's mostly me because I'm a 
teacher, but also, you know, you do a ton of work that makes this whole corporate organization work. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I think I one of that. the things that you and I have also done is just honor the strengths of the individuals. Like, I give you crap for being the king of the 90%, also king of the road <laughs> for another reason. But you Listen, give me crap for... No, 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 no. Let's, I'm going to put it out there. I will admit that I am bad about remembering to use my blinker <laughs> when there's no one around. <laughs> but if there are people there, I will blinker. No. <laughs> and it is, it is an effective training technique that the minute I turn without a blinker, you shout, King of the Road! King of the Road! <laughs> it's very effective. It seems... Tell me it hasn't been happening less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... You give me shit too for managing the household. Okay, manager. Oh, manager would like me to take dictation, you know. And it's fair because I think, I mean, heuristically having now lived with this this tool set for a year, there is a frame of reference for talking about those little picadillos that, that every, you know, you put, one, two, three, four people in a room, they have relationships. You have a relationship with yourself. You have a relationship with your partner. You have a relationship with your children. You have a relationship with people at work. Maybe you're in a relationship with more than one person. I mean, there, there has to be common language for understanding what's happening in that interaction between human beings, whether it's one, two, three, four, twelve you know, stadium, I guess. Well, I mean, like when you present and things, both you and I have done big national conferences where we've spoken and there's definitely a relationship with the audience there. But there's, again, common language to describe the experience. So even though we all have our own flavor of what those words mean, there's a at least a core reference to begin with. So I'll use an example. So if... You're giving me the huh? no, no. I'm I'm giving you my sincere listening face. Well, okay. Because... So, so for example, like when when we are in conflict, or when we're having a great time, both you and I understand that these are the little points of contact that will have a cumulative effect on the comfort we feel in being in relationship. So I'll give you an example. You talked about it right off the get-go when we started, and that's like our returning towards, a returning away, or a returning against. So like the other day when Gaia and I were giving you the business all day long, we were turning you, against. You're going to need to be more specific. I am not telling you what we were saying. <laughs> the other day when Guy and I were giving you the business all day long could have been any of a number of other days <laughs> is what I'm saying. Fair enough. The car seat. Let's just do ah, that. Uh, there yes, we go. Yes, yes. Okay. And yes. I could tell, I could tell that it was starting to wear on you. Like, oh, you know, shit, we've been turning against the humor in it is getting lost in and hurt feelings. 
and that need for attunement without trying to be enmeshed and caretake your, you know, the person you love's feelings is important. You know, it would almost never strike me to describe a one-on-one relationship as something that I facilitate. But when you talk about it in terms of groups, that's what we do, right? Like I'm a teacher, I facilitate. And the truth is what you're describing right now is a kind of facilitation. It's just on a very limited, you're like, oh, okay, so this bit isn't going over the way I thought it was. So now I need to change the way I'm facilitating to get the direction I want to go. And, you know, to put it like that makes it sound so, because it's not, it's organic, right? Like it's, it's not facilitating to get everyone on board to sell more things, but you are facilitating, you know, toward a comfortable, happy, forward looking place. So when you're leaning into it, I think that's the, yeah. I like that. Well, yeah. And, you know, like in those moments, you think back on, well, at least I do. I'll speak for myself. And really, that's what we're doing with this whole thing. We're each speaking to our own experiences. You know, that may be different for others, but we can only speak from our own heuristic experience of of utilizing the core tools of this method and the benefits it's had for us and share and our journey with with others to see if it's helpful to them. I mean, we have been lucky that we have friends who are older than us who've been in relationships for extended periods who are, you know, happy. Is it perfect? No, no, that's creepy. It would be creepy if it was perfect. Do they have ups and downs? Absolutely. But are they friends with each other? Yeah, they're friendly. They're friends with each other. Do they care about the well-being and and growth of the other? Yeah, they do. And that's pretty cool. I have to say, conversely, that when I see, like I'll speak for myself again, that I've taken things too far, it reminds me of relationships I grew up seeing. And that makes me, and that makes me sad. Like I don't want to, I don't want to do asshole stuff. I like, you know, giving someone the business, you know, having fun, but I don't want ultimately to do lasting harm or hurt to anyone, especially, you know, the person that I love and that I, I trust to spend my time with every day. That's why I love checking up. Yeah, we were good at that. I love checking up because (laughs) shacking up is the only contract you have is your shared rent. And so every day you just have to choose whether or not to be with that person. Not because, you know, oh, we're going to have to get a lawyer. We're going to have to go. It's like every day is a choice. That's why I loved shacking up. Well, yeah. And I've I've always said, and, and this is less funny now but back in the day it was it was very funny to me to say like listen i agreed to move in with her i agreed to to get married but the day that came that we had to merge our student loans that was when i had to stop and go oh well wait a minute yeah well now you've got student loans too <laughs> the revenge is mine <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are the generation that brought 
intense student debt. And then the millennials put the cherry on top of it. God help us for what Gen yeah, X is just, or Gen Z is going to end up with. Yeah. But Oof. that that aside though, but if you look at look at how even relationship humor was growing up. Take my wife, please. But just all I need to do is is talk about and uh, I don't know what are, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and tell stories about my parents. You choose as you need to for your parents. But you know it was hard to watch the animosity between uh, my mom and my dad specifically manifest through married with children. Oh yeah. <laughs> That was, <laughs> you know, yeah, that yeah. program was such an incredibly family anti maturity, anti feminist product. And it was presented in my household as just this soothsaying comedy. And it watch an episode now. It's not funny. It's just disturbing. It's really uncomfortable. Well, and who could live on a shoe salesman's income? Well, OK, yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> in, in a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that I agree with you. I, I agree with you 100%. I also agree that in the 80s, and I don't really remember the 70s, but in the 80s, animosity in a relationship was normalized. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just how it is. It's it's going to, there's going to be animosity. That's just. And I think, yeah, that peaked with, with that Raymond show. Raymond. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh. Like yeah, kinda, that was, yeah, yeah. That was where it turned, right? Because at yeah. that show, every line was about how everybody in there was disliked every minute of every day with each other. And, and, and their then it, families. And then and then TV kind of went away. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, I think that's a really good point. Like in looking at what is normalized for couples in relationships now, it's it's changed in a very different way. It's almost like, well, one, television is kind of irrelevant now. Everything's like short series and streaming platforms. But if you look at, I mean, because you're more immersed in this th than I am, as I admitted earlier to not really being a fiction reader, aside from a smutty books, but you're more immersed in, in popular culture in that regard. It just seems like, it's less about relationships now and more about individual experiences. So I, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's different. Yeah, I think the other thing that we get now out of our popular media is this idea of the family of choice. And yes. so you don't have you don't have animosity, the family of of obligation, you have the family of choice. And it's really interesting to see the way that Gen Z, as they become adults, are struggling with this family of choice and how it changes and grows. But that's probably a conversation I'm not ready to have out without doing a little bit more research. But when you when you watch these kids and the amount of attention they give to this idea of their friend group, it's it's really, it's like almost become a culture of enmeshment as opposed to oh, animosity. Yes. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, enmeshment is normalized. And and I don't know why we went from animosity to enmeshment, but um, 
there's got to be a sociologist who has written something on it. And if anyone would like to look that up, I'd be interested to read it. But enmeshment, obviously, my perception is skewed with the work that I do. But enmeshment has seemed like like how people understand love to be. And yikes, you know. For those of you who aren't familiar with the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Just for anybody who's not familiar, when we say enmeshment, what we're talking about is the sort of co-opting and and creation of oneness around two people's emotional states. Right. Let's talk about this just real quick. So coming up, I did mention the book and I think, let's see, what was it called? Eight it is officially dates. called Eight Dates. Eight Dates. Essential Conversations for a Lifetime of Love by John Gottman and Julie Schwartz Gottman and a whole bunch of other people. And I think we'll be touching on that a little bit going forward uh, and, you know, telling stories and and doing uh, more of this. So what have we learned today, Jenny? Well, hopefully we learned that this isn't an advice show. (laughs) Because. Oh, if we haven't learned that now, we're going to learn it in a hard way. Yeah, and that we are not a perfect couple, but we are two people who are trying to figure stuff out together. Excellent, excellent. Up. Five acts of kindness for each act of animosity. There you go. So five times to turn toward for every time you turn away or turn against. Beautiful. Go out and do something nice today. See you later.